0: What a gift it is to be able to to celebrate baptisms. Such a a good reminder of the work and the promises of God. And I love the call to remember our own baptism, right? Like to remember God is telling us long, long stories, and He is faithful in the midst of all those stories. Uh, If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be learning through the book of Acts, chapter 16, and start with verse 9. By the way, my name is Brad Malden. I'm the community pastor at Trinity. Um, And what a gift it is to be able to to learn together this morning. I'm excited about what God has in front of us. All right, so starting 16 verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man in Macedonia pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. And we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira, and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would open our hearts today in the way that you opened Lydia's heart. God, we thank you for the gift of your presence, the gift of your work and your movement and your faithfulness to us. God, we pray that we would have tender hearts to receive what you have for us today. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Settle us, Lord, into the promise that you're with us and that you're for us. Lord, we ask your spirit to move freely this morning. bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So you look at a text like this and I think obviously you can spend some time talking about like maybe the nature of a supernatural vision or supernatural dreams, but that is as I sat with the text this week. It's not where I went. What I kind of saw was three things. Uh, and the first is that Paul had to wait on a vision. Let me put that up there. Paul had to wait on a vision. What we see happening before this text, re- like right up to this chapter 9, is is that Paul had run into some roadblocks. Uh, He had a good friend named Barnabas. It was his partner in crime in terms of of spreading the gospel and going to different cities and telling people the good news of of the gospel. And they had come into some problems and they decided to part ways with one another. And then Paul finds a a, kind of a new protege to be able to take under his wing, a young man named Timothy. And they kind of set sail again and they started running into roadblocks again. And they hit these cities that it says the spirit of God forbid them from entering. And so they started to sense of movement of God, and they started leaning in those places, but they kept hitting walls, and uh, one of the things that I think amazes me in this reaction or this interaction that Paul, that we get to see here with Paul, is they, he had a posture of waiting, he had a posture of patience that I think is a remarkable thing, right, like he kept hitting no's, and I don't know about you, but for me, when I hit no's, I don't tend to accept them um, with kindness and patience, right, like I don't tend to just say, okay, Lord, you must be up to something here, so I'm going to just wait, and that's what we see from Paul as he hits these nose, and instead of trying to force the issue and trying to manufacture outcomes, he, he says, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to pause. And in that posture of waiting is when he is able to receive a vision. And I think we can learn something from that. I think we can learn to develop a posture of patience so that we can receive the vision of God that then leads us to the work of God because that's what we're made for. You and I are made to hear the voice of God. We're made to have eyes to see and ears to hear the work of God so that we can move toward that work of God. And what we see in Paul here is this remarkable patience, this remarkable posture that was able to wait so he didn't miss something. And as I sat with this text this week, I was just thinking, how often do I miss the voice of God and therefore the work of God in my life? Because I'm just too much in a hurry, right? Like I'm too focused on where I am and where I'm supposed to be going that I'm just going to like blast through whatever it is that's coming my way so that I can get to wherever I need to go. And in doing so, miss the very voice of God, the very work of of God that I'm made for because you and I are made to hear from God and we're made to move towards the healing and redemptive work of God. That is what God is up to and he's participating with us in that process of redemption and healing. And so we have to learn how to wait. We have to learn on to take a posture really honestly just to slow down I think is the invitation for us. In a text like this we see that we're invited to slow down so that we can see something from God. Yeah, I think about Moses and the burning bush, and I I don't know about you, but as I read and remember that story more than read that story, I always think of, you know, Moses is on a path, he's on a road from one point to another point, and he kind of like runs into this burning bush. And I imagine that it's impossible to miss, right? That you're thinking this thing must have been like a giant pyre that was impossible to miss. But what you see actually in the text, it says that Moses was walking along a path and he had to turn aside to notice this strange thing. He had to turn aside which meant that it wasn't in his direct line of sight. He had to have a posture slowing down enough that he's able to turn and he's able to see that God was up to something. And I think that he did that because he was able to slow down. He's able to reflect at this place in his life, this point in his life, he knew enough to not just keep his head down and move forward. He knew to reflect and to pause and to slow down so that he would see this burning bush moment, right? This moment where God was interacting in his life in remarkable ways. And you and I are invited in the same way, I think, to slow down. I had a friend who once told me that God is generally not going to compete for my attention. That he's generally not going to compete for our attention. That the way that we're going to hear from God is because we offer to him a patient and a slow heart that gives us ears to hear from him. And I wonder, again, just how often we miss the very voice of God because you and I are just moving too quickly. We're moving from point A to point B with like a reckless abandonment. When God is inviting us to slow down, and I can promise you this slowing down is not going to just happen in your life. You are going to have to make choices. You and I are going to have to make choices to slow down. We are baked in a culture of speed and striving and proving. And so, for the reality for us to slow down, we're going to have to move against the grain. So when we make choices to slow down, what it's going to feel is like dissonance, right? Like to then feel like we're wearing Saul's armor, like we're in an embodied alien suit or some like a sense of being outside of ourselves. Because when we turn and move in the opposite direction of the flow of culture, we're going to feel it. We're moving upstream, we're moving against the grain, whatever analogy you want, you're going to feel and experience a sense of offness in those spaces. And so to slow down is going to demand choices out of us. We have to do with intentionality it's not just going to happen to us and maybe just maybe it will happen to us in the sense that it will force us to slow down right like the no's that will come to us the things that we don't control will come to us but more often than not what i've found is that i have to slow down on purpose and over the last year and a half as we sit in the midst of a strange two years at this point with COVID and the adjustments and all the ripple effects of COVID, I've I've taken on two habits in my life that I've found to be really helpful for me to help me slow down and to hear from the Lord. And Chris talks about this one called the exam, and I have my own version of that, but the reality of what it is, is this invitation to reflect, right? It's this invitation to take and to make space that forces us to consider and then to reconsider and what I do is I just simply at the end of my day when everybody is asleep in my house or else I just go by myself and I ask God, where did I see you at work today, Lord? Where did I see you at work? And what I've seen over the last year and a half is that has developed a sensitivity in me that did not exist prior to this, a tenderness to hear and to see things that I am convinced I would have otherwise missed and would not have seen a year and a half ago. It is because I slow down and I pause to reflect, to see where the work of God is around me. And it's allowed me to see things and to hear things that I'm convinced I would not have otherwise seen or have heard. And it just created a rhythm for me to be able to create space. Nothing magical happens in that space except I start to pause and reflect and to see the things that are already there. Does that make sense? It's not like something new happens in that space. It's just the simple fact that I'm now in tuned or attuned to the reality of what's happening. And that's what you and I are made for. We're made to see and to hear the work of God so we can move toward it. So it's been super helpful for me to be able to pause and reflect in that way. The second thing I've done is I've been practicing saying no to good things. Now, in our culture, we are an excessive culture, and that's not, that's not like a cultural criticism type of thing. It's just the reality of the life that we live. We, by mere fact of sitting in this room, are like the wealthiest people in the world, right? And what that means is we have resources, and what resources do for us is they actually make us think that no is a bad thing. They make us think that no is something that we're meant to overcome or to work around. And just like Paul, where we're we're actually meant to actually receive some limitations, some boundaries for us is a good thing because they encourage us to pause and they encourage us to slow down. We're not always going to receive a no, right? Or we're going to think that no is our enemy. And the invitation we have as a people of God is to lean into the no, is to accept no as a good thing, but then know that we're also going to have to say no sometimes. It's not always the answer we're going to get, but sometimes we have to learn that it's the answer we need to give no thanks. Practice that. Practice saying no to good things. And what you'll find is it helps create margins in your life. it creates some space for you to hear from the Lord. And again, it's against the culture. It's against the grains. You may look to your left and your right and you may think, goodness, I said no to this. And that means that person is moving in that direction towards something that maybe is good. And that's why life with God is a life of faith, right? Like It is something that requires courage in us but i promise you this you say no and it will create margins for us to be able to live into the fact that hearing from the voice of god and moving towards the voice of god is what we're made for and that's the second point that this vision that we would receive from god requires movement out of us it's going to require us to make a move it did for paul right like paul was literally asked to move he was on one side of the gnc he receives this vision he goes to the other side of the gnc to a new place a strange place ends up waiting for a few days into this moment of engagement with these women, praying on the side of a riverbank. And then he sees a remarkable thing happen. God encouraged and invited him to move in the same way that I think it will be for us. I doubt it will be as, as kind of dramatic as Paul's was, right? Like in this supernatural vision that he receives, this uproot your entire life to move from that point to that point, that feels a little out of reach, right? Like that feels like maybe that's just for some people. And I think for us, the reality is, is the dreams or the visions of the voice of God is actually probably much more mundane for you and for me. It's more subtle for most of us. And maybe God will give you a dream and a vision tonight as you sleep that says move to whatever place. But the reality is, is right here and right now, you and I are fully capable of hearing from the Lord. And he's probably speaking to you in this exact place right here and right now, asking you to make a move towards something Asking you to make a movement in a direction, whether that's towards a person, a somebody, or a something. But I promise you, this is what God is doing. He is making, a, a, He's giving us a vision. He's giving us a voice that we can hear and we can receive, so we'd move towards the redeeming work of God. And yet we miss it, right? And I think the reality of why we miss this, why we mo- miss this movement towards people or towards something. It's because the reality is, as we know, that a move requires something of us. It's going to cost you and me something. It's going to cost us something. It's inherent in the idea of moving towards something, that I'm moving away from another thing. Or going to pick up something means I'm letting go of something. And in our worldly mind, the challenge that we face is that we live in a place of scarcity. We live in either-or, zero-sum games. The idea that if I move towards this inherently means I'm, like, lacking something. Or I have to give up something, or to let go of something, or to pick up something I have to let go of something. But in the kingdom of God, a blessing is abundant. And we sang that together, right? Over and over again to give away blessing, to give away love. Like a reckless sense of giving ourselves away and to believe fully that God is going to meet us on the other end of that takes faith, right? It takes courage. We have to be full of courage to be able to give away blessing, whether that's to people or to things. So we have to ask God for courage to help us make those movements. We have to ask God to help us to move towards people. Knowing fully well that making a move towards relationship, and sometimes that's going to be fun and full of goodness, right? Like to bless people, to be able to bless a friend or your partner or a a total stranger, to be able to bless and to give them something good. That is good, but there's no guarantee you're going to get anything in return, Right? To give yourself away freely is an act of faith. And yet God still requires us and he calls us to move in that direction. But sometimes those movements towards people are are kind of scary, right? To move towards broken relationship is is a pretty vulnerable thing to do. For us to move in in a way that's going to be seeking forgiveness or asking forgiveness is a movement of vulnerability and transparency that says, I'm opening myself up to criticism here, right? Like when I hurt somebody and I make a move towards them, I am moving towards an acknowledgement that I have done something wrong. And maybe for you fully formed people, that's like a walk in the park and you think nothing of it. But man, when I move towards people that are in pain that I have caused, and I'm either seeking forgiveness or pain that they have caused in my life and I'm asking, those are the moments of vulnerability in which I am full of fear. It's so intimidating to be open to criticism to open to the possibility that I've done something wrong and I'm not perfect, to set aside my ego and my pride and this myth that I'd like to tell myself that I am mostly perfect, right? To move towards somebody, whether it's a blessing or a conversation, takes courage. And I wonder today, is the Lord speaking to you in such a way that he's putting somebody or something on your mind or your heart that is inviting you to move towards them? And like I said, it could be the person sitting next to you, it could be a friendship, a relationship in the places you live, the places you work, the places you play. Can you ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear this invitation and this movement, but know that it's going to ask you to demonstrate courage. It's just the way it works in the kingdom of God. And I wonder, for me, I know, and I maybe think it's curious for you, too, if, if God is actually stirring in your heart, he's giving you a vision, and yet it seems like too much. It seems too intimidating. It seems too scary to give up to whatever it is you think you're going to have to lose in order to gain something. But I'll, we've said this before, and I'll say it again, that courage is not the absence of fear. Fear and intimidation, being a little scared, having your heart beat a little bit, you start sweating, your throat closes up. Those are normal reactions to the reality of what it means to walk in faith, to put one foot over the edge. But courage is not the absence of fear, it's the strength to move forward in the face of it. And so we need to ask God for courage. We need to ask God to give us his strength, to give us his ability and his tendency to let go of something in order to gain something. Now, if you're wired like me, you may think that the way that you kind of overcome your fear is that you're supposed to grit your way through it, right? Like you're supposed to just be tough and white-knuckle your way through these things. And and y'all, if that is your narrative, I just want to invite you uh, to take a step out. But before you do so, ask the Holy Spirit to come and give you strength, to give you wisdom, to fill you with his strength, to let you borrow his strength before you make that move. And I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be surprised because this third point is that God works in unexpected ways. That vision doesn't always work out the way we think it's going to work out. Because of that, we often balk or we often hesitate. But I think what we can take away from a story like the one we're reading right now is that the invitation to open our hands to outcomes is actually the best thing for us. And we see this with Paul, right? Like that... Probably where he ended up going didn't end up the way he thought it would. So he gets on a boat and he goes across to a strange place, like I said, and he stands on a riverbank. And it says he spends a few days kind of waiting. And then on the Sabbath, the day of worship, they go and they meet these women on the side of a river. And in particular, this woman who 2,000 years later we're talking about now, this woman named Lydia. And an amazing thing happens, right? Like she hears the word of God. She responds to the word of God. She's baptized and her whole family comes into the story of God. And then the church is born in Philippi. And 2,000 years later, we're celebrating and remembering and being shaped by what happened 2,000 years ago in a strange, isolated place in the world. I imagine that Paul was slightly surprised by that. You know what I mean? Like if I receive a dream... And I think, well, maybe this is something God's calling me to. I'm going to move towards that. And then when I get there and something actually happens, I would be a little surprised, to be honest with you. I would be kind of, I mean, I think Paul's probably more human than not, right? Like if we saw the work of God to its fulfillment, maybe not like, yeah, I think I'd be surprised. Like I'd go into that space and be like, that was pretty cool. So I think Paul certainly was impacted in that way. Are surprised in that way. But I think two other things probably surprised Paul that he had to have open hands to engage with. First is that the, the story of God advancing his kingdom was done through a Gentile. Remember who Paul was. Paul was a Jewish leader Pharisee, a pretty zealous one at that. And for him, he up to this point, the narrative in the story is that God's people kind of had a wall around it, right? And this story of engaging and advancing God's kingdom to be a blessing to people outside that wall, to the Gentile people and non Jewish peoples, what that means would have been a reframe for Paul. It required him to rethink and to reframe a sense of what God was up to. And the same would have been true for the fact that God's story would have been advancing through the life of this Gentile woman. This place and time, this is a patriarchal society. And so the idea that God would be up to something, would be advancing in something, it would make essential a, a woman in the story or to be the, 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 the female voice being the one that tells and advances the story of God would have required a reframe for Paul. And what I think and see in this particular way is, again, I don't know maybe how Paul felt. I don't want to put myself in a position to think that I can guess how he felt about all those things. But what I do know is that Paul had to have an open posture to expect the unexpected, right? Like to be open to the unexpected outcomes of God required him to be comfortable with being challenged, with assumptions and his presumptions being challenged about not only the extent of God's love and reach and desire, but also his healing work. Like who God was going to love and how He was going to love, who's the story of God belonged to, and then what that story would look like in its manifestation. Paul had to rethink and reframe that entire process, and so he had to be willing to let his assumptions and his presumptions to be challenged. And I think you and I are invited into the same posture. I think Paul was open to surprises. I think Paul was open to surprises. And I think because of that, he learned to carry no assumptions and no presumptions. And you and I are invited to the same exact posture. We're invited to be open to the surprises of God. And because Paul is faithful to that and open to that, he got to participate in a pretty remarkable experience, right? Like he got to go and see God do something remarkable that 2,000 years later, a group of people in Atlanta, Georgia, are talking about it. Paul is faithful in this openness to God. I think is an invitation for us to ask the same thing of ourselves. Do we share the same open posture? Do we share the same curiosity that I think Paul demonstrated in this space to move towards the people of God into the places that God could be possibly working that we don't necessarily see right now, but would we be open to the fact that God would love and care and move in such a way that would surprise us, that may force and require us to reframe the way we think about who God is, about who he loves, and what he's up to. That curious posture moves us towards one another. That curious posture, I think, opens our eyes to see the work of God. It opens our ears to be able to hear God at work. And what we know is is that in order to be able to become those types of people, I think we have to embody the very things that Paul embodied. We have to embody patience. We have to slow down enough to hear the voice of God. We have to embody courage. We have to ask God to help meet us in these places to be able to move toward the thing or the something or the people that seems so overwhelming and intimidating to move toward and I think we have to be curious because God's at work y'all right here and right now in this place and outside those walls God is at work and he's inviting us to participate in that healing work it's actually his plan for today and so my guess as you're sitting here is that something is stirring in you and it may you're wired where it stirs in your head and maybe you're wired where it stirs in your heart and I think in either case, we're going to spend just a minute like we've been developing this posture before we come to the table to be able to ask God to give us some clarity. And so I want you to quiet your hearts, and there's really just two questions that I want you to consider right now. And the first question is up on here is, what good things can you say no to right now? What good things are in front of you that are asking for your attention that maybe, just maybe, saying no would be an act of faith? And the second question is just reflecting a bit on where you've seen God's healing work in unexpected ways. So let's quiet our hearts, and then we'll come to the table in just a minute. Father, help us see the things in our lives, Lord, that we can let go of and say no to, to create margin and boundary to hear from you. Fill us the courage to move forward and towards those things. Lord, and give us a curiosity to be open to a reframing, a new story of what you're up to. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that's with us in this process, and this journey. Lord, we are not on our own, and we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Y'all please stand if you're able.